Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know, at our podcast, we all wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women, as well as marginalized people who has been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So, if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment, or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify, and Google. It will make a huge differences to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, y'all! This is Jessie too. Hi, this is Helen, and we are recording on、uh, Friday. The、um, something, the twentieth of August, and it is Asian bitches down under, guys. Helen, our premier has just announced this morning that our lockdown here in Sydney has been extended by another month.、Yeah. How are you feeling? <laughs> I'm kind of expecting that because I think when the number、yeah. reached past three hundred, we all know that it's going to be、mm. extended to four weeks. Like there's no、yeah. certainty about how it's going to end with the number of cases that's just climbing on daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. So for you guys who are, I decided to tune out. Um, well done for you guys. But um, and and also those who are outside of Sydney, the Sydney case numbers in the Delta variant spread has increased dramatically in the last couple of weeks. We've we're getting consistently high numbers in the six hundreds now、mm-hmm. for a few days,、yeah. and um. Helen, how do you feel about the idea of like what when you heard of the extra month this morning? What was your first sort of like thought? What did you first think? Oh, I, I, we've got to have another month of this, or what was your first kind of、um, dread? I guess. Oh,、uh, I don't know. I just feel numb, numb about it already. Yeah, numb, right. It's、okay. like oh, I, I've already had the expectation this is gonna happen, and it happened. Okay, then let's just go with it. You can't help it because,、yeah. I mean, we're doing the right thing by staying home and doing all the precautionary、um, yeah. actions of keeping us on、uh, healthy or keep others saved by getting vaccinated.、Um, mm. Yeah, about vaccination, I'll talk about that a bit later because I got my second dose this week. Yes, but、um, unfortunately, if comes down to. The fact that we have to extend the lockdown, then so be it. Then everyone's in this together. Yeah, together, yeah. right? Yeah. My first thought, actually, Helen, was I kind of expected、mm. it because people were already saying this isn't going to definitely not going to end at the end of、mm. August. But I guess my first initial dread was that I wasn't able to see、um, our nieces, my nephews and、mm. nieces, like your kids、mm. and my other sister's、yeah. kids, who I really miss. And like I feel like they're the cutest age <laughs> at this moment. Like they're like seven. Yeah, that's true. Four and like two, two、yeah. or something, that is like the most adorable age ever. So I feel like I'm missing out on like critical growth time and just hanging out with、That's、them. That's right.、Um, and I really miss them. And also, I kind of really want to see my parents, and I can't because you know they live more than five k's away.、Mm-hmm. So like that's been my greatest dread. But other than that,、um, yeah, I mean, for a few weeks now, people have been saying within my social circle that most pro- most likely things will. At least become more normalized around Christmas time.、Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm aiming for. Like I hope at least we have a a relatively、um, normal Christmas, as in we are at least able to see our friends and family. Yeah, I think everyone's aiming for Christmas because、uh, we don't.、Mm. Even though that at the moment the announcement is that the lockdown is extended to the end of September, I do worry that at the at the same time we're seeing large numbers coming up. In the regional New South Wales, 
And right, as yeah. the weather gets warmer, I assume that since that we can't go overseas, a lot of people will want to travel. So that just makes yeah, it a lot within harder.、Australia. Yeah. So yeah.、Um, yeah, probably Christmas will be the time that we're aiming for. Hopefully, that everyone will be getting their vaccination and will reach. Yeah, and and.、There. And regarding vaccinations,、uh, this week the government have announced, a, you know, new a new scheme of getting everyone. There's a new Pfizer、mm-hmm. rollout apparently. So Helen, you had your second Pfizer <laughs>、yeah. shot this week. Now a lot of people who have, like, amongst my friends who have had the second Pfizer shot, have all reported really quite devastating、um, and dramatic, severe. Um, consequences after their second shot <laughs> side effects. Yeah, what what was it like for you? Because Helen was like sending us group photos of her <laughs> face, which she was like, "I'm so bloated and swollen." Yeah, this is not to discourage everyone or anyone to get vaccination. We strongly advise no, everyone to get vaccination. Yeah, we're pro vax.、Yeah. So it's just my well, vaccination affects individually different. So for me,、yeah. I already expected that. Oh, hearing from stories from my friends who already got it earlier, saying that you'll have side effects like flu, similar symptoms. You have runny nose、mm-hmm. or maybe slight fever, and I was expecting those、mm. because my first dose of Pfizer, I didn't have a huge side effect. It was only like、yeah. a couple、yeah. of hours of like my arm was sore and I couldn't do lifting or exercise, and that was it. <laughs> the second dose of Pfizer. The second day after that, I had a vaccination.、I、felt really tired, so it was just、mm. uh, a bit of muscle ache. But I still could do everything. I just didn't do exercise or yoga on that day.、Mm-hmm. And then I、mm-hmm. thought that okay, this is it. Then I, I this is probably my my kind of side effect for the second dose. Yeah. <laughs> the following day, well, actually, it hit me. The midnight of the second day, I started having.、Right. Um, I wouldn't say severe, but it's it was pretty bad hay fever reactions. I have right, right.、Um, my hay fever reactions were usually by really like I'll be tearing a lot and just runny nose.、Mm. <laughs> yeah, my symptoms from this vaccination was that only the left side of my face. So I was tearing a lot on my left side,、uh, my left eye,、right. and I was having runny nose、yeah. on my left nostril, and you feel sticky. That's so weird. <laughs> no, it was just on left side, and I, I took Clarentine, and I also took、um, mm. Codroy as well. Helped、mm. a little bit, but that was about it. And I was a bit scared、mm. because I don't know if those symptoms are、um, the effects from the vaccination or have yeah. I caught. Covid when I was out getting、right. my vaccination or just picking you know groceries, but、uh, yeah. it was just only one day. It was only one day,、right. and it can't it、yeah. slowly become better yesterday. So I was I'm feeling yeah yeah、uh, a lot more better today.、Um, I didn't have any、yeah. fevers, but it's just that、mm. kind of feeling that in your mind that you're like not sure. Oh, did I have yeah, covid or is it a side effect? Yeah, always. Yeah. Always, absolutely. Like this morning, I woke up at around dawn because I went to bed quite early last night. My favorite time to go to bed is like nine p.m.、Mm-hmm. After reading the, this is one of the favorite things I've been doing actually in the last few days of lockdown.、Mm-hmm. I've been reading back issues of the London Review of Books,、uh-huh. which is honestly my favorite thing to do in the world. I, I can't, I can't even 
start to tell people how much I love reading back issues of like really good writing, mm-hmm. and the LRB is really good writing. Um, I'm trying to yeah, I'm trying to kind of detach myself from the New Yorker because like I've been a New Yorker reader for years, yeah, and I feel like um, I just want a taste of the UK because I generally <laughs> don't consume a lot of UK culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that more later, but um, so. This, so I went to bed early last night and then this morning I woke up and I had a bit of sore throat and mm-hmm. it was just like a normal standard sort of um, dry throat that you mm-hmm. get in the morning. But like my first thought was, shit, have I got COVID? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think will be like a sort of um, reactionary uh, fear that mm-hmm. we now will always have for yeah. the next, what, 50 years or That's so. That's right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. do you feel relieved now that you've had your second dose and you are basically like safe, yeah at least among the more safe a bit more protected yeah i i do yeah. but i also feel it's not fully protected and to whole my whole family is protected say like our kids right, and yeah. our niece and nephews they're young group because yeah. we're seeing the large number of kids are getting covert the delta variant mm. because they're the yeah. they're the ones that aren't eligible for the vaccines and right yes. you can't really tell the kids to constrain themselves or oh, don't touch that don't run there and don't mm, of course you know, keep yeah. your social distance is so hard for the kids yeah 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 actually, i actually remember last year when my um sisters other sisters kids they're like around four or five after like the first initial lockdowns when i went to see them mm. they and i went in for a hug they were they were like, keep your distance. Oh, keep really? Your distance. Okay. Like, oh, wow. That's like okay. really like quite. Um, they've been quite strange been to see yeah. kids. Yeah, inculcated in this idea that you need to keep your physical space. Yeah, okay. Um, should tell girls to do that more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? With men, keep your distance. Yeah, men should learn that. Um, a lot of, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I know exactly. A lot of men still don't know. But um, in regards to physical distance and, you know, um, our ideas of what, you know, um, personal space and respectful boundaries mm-hmm. um, mean. I, 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 this is like a strange segue, Helen, but um, I'm reminded of a scene from a film that I watched this week on Stan mm-hmm. called Baby Boom. Have you heard of it? No, who's in it? So Diane Keaton stars in this 1987 oh, film. Oh, okay. Okay, I, I think I might have seen the poster somewhere before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. It's it's her in a sort of like power suit and she's holding a baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's it, yeah. So I have never heard of this film. It's by Nancy Myers. Um and um and I really love eighties rom coms mm-hmm. and I guess this is like a sort of rom com, sort of not. But basically it's a story of like Diane Keaton. She's like this really gun ho um sort of corporate figure and she's about to be made partner, but then um, some distant relative, um, her cousins, die, and so the baby um, that they have is like a one-year-old she inherits. Uh-huh. Oh, is and it so, like, like when is she... it like Raising Helen? That's another... Yeah, oh, remember that? It's kind of uh-huh. like that, yeah, except the kids are not as uh-huh. old yeah, yeah, as yeah. in Raising uh-huh. Helen. And also, um, Diane Keaton is nowhere near as trashy-looking... <laughs> And annoying as Kate Hudson. Oh my god, I cannot stay. I cannot stand Kate Hudson. She's so friggin' annoying. Um, and also, Kate Hudson and um, that dude um, who plays Aiden. Uh-huh. 
John Corbin or something um, in Sex and the City and my back my big my fat big great, fat great, great yeah. wedding. Yeah, uh, what that is the most atrocious couple in the history this of this Hollywood. This doesn't look right. Like who? Yeah, I know who casted Kate Hudson and John John Corbin. So Bad weird. casting. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, Guy and Keaton has no like in the beginning of the film. She's like this total anti baby, yeah, anti yeah, yeah. um businesswoman, uh-huh. and she's dating this guy who feels the same way. And when she inherits this baby, he dis- he dumps her. It's kind of like very amicable, and then um, she slowly, slowly loses her power in the boardroom, uh-huh. like because like she's got to attend to the baby, you know, um, despite having a nanny and all that. And people take her less seriously. And remember, this film was made in 1987, mm-hmm. Helen. So that's the year I was born. And this week, I turned 34. Uh, yeah. So like it was 34 years ago, right? Uh-huh. And, and, like, the same problems that Diane Keaton experiences in her business um, offices is exactly the same issues that women still continue to experience today. Mm-hmm. So um, what happens in the film, I won't spoil it because you should totally see it, mm-hmm. is basically she decides to, like, move out into... She buys a place in Vermont and then starts her own kind of baby food business. Yeah. Um, what's really hilarious about this film is that um, we see montages of her business grow right throughout the second act of the of the movie and yet the baby never never grows up it like the whole movie it stays like literally 18 months old it's so funny it's hilarious it's like completely incongruent mm-hmm. but like we're supposed to believe that the baby like she just stays grew the this same. Yeah. yeah like the, she just grew this business overnight it's hilarious mm-hmm. they probably um, had no idea or didn't have the choice to cast an old an older child, yeah, right. you know, to pee. Yeah, maybe, yeah. But um, I mean, I mentioned uh, the segue that I mentioned was like there's this one scene where like there's a sort of vet that she has a romantic crush on, and in the mm-hmm. um in in the beginning stages of their courtship, he's like very um sexual assaulty ish. Like she she's Ew. she like, clearly draws her boundaries, but he mm-hmm. kind of just has this scene where he like kisses her without her um. Consent. Without her consent, yeah, and that is literally mm-hmm. like all of Hollywood. I mean, even now, I'm sure there are films where the guy kind of just like imposes himself sexually on the woman, and mm-hmm. like up until very recently, we were meant to think that that was romantic, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just disgusting. I find that really repulsive. Yeah, this is this is something interesting that I want to make a connection with the um, girlhood. That's the book that I'm currently reading that we meant we started mentioning mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago by Melissa Forbes. I think our listeners, our followers on our Instagram will be seeing me posting pages or segments. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because I just feel like it's so much... She's telling the truth. She she has established a language and constructed tangibly in front of us that we read it and we all feel like, Mm. oh my God, that's that's how we've been experienced for decades. And finally someone actually put it in front of us and tell us what Mm. was happening. Mm. The chapter that I'm reading at the moment, it's about it's an essay about her experience going to a cuddling party where you oh. have someone organised a cuddling party, you have to dress uh, in pyjamas, but it is down to consent. She said that she went to the party, but she didn't feel like... Um, she wasn't sure how to construct the language to say no to someone who approaches mm. her because it's all strangers. She went with her girlfriend and another, another friend. Mm. But um, she f- reflects onto how the society never really taught women and young girls to say no when they were really young, and th- because yeah. the society always has yeah. is viewed 
female bodies as an object to be touched. It's always been like yeah. that as a desire for men. Yeah. You know, it's not only the yeah, male yeah. gaze, we're there to be touched. So it was a very yeah, hard... I love that. I, I don't know, like from her language, I guess she had a revelation of thinking that how, why is it women always feel awkward to say no? Like we never really talk, yeah, like we, yeah. we kind of pushing pushing our boundaries we don't really give out ourselves boundaries we we're like oh yeah that that's just how it happened while just giving um yeah maybe until a couple of yeah. years ago you know we st- started having me too movement really exploring the idea of consent before that everyone yeah. think it's just natural to you know there's a turn of for women sleep your way up to the top you know in the hierarchical corporate yeah. sectors that mm. was considered normalized. Yeah, of course, of but course. It was never. We were never taught to voice our discomfort. We just. And we always made to feel like ambivalent about things, like especially yeah. when we're talking about romance and sex. Like mm. we get confused with between with men. Are they r- romantically intentional touch or is it Interested? sexual touch? It's just yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so that was a really good... Um, I haven't finished that, yeah. It's like the default for women is to acquiesce, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, it, we're seen as impolite or rude or a bit standoffish or cold if we ever say no or mm-hmm. if we clearly draw our boundaries. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, everything you're saying, I have experienced myself. Like, especially when it comes to older men mm-hmm. in the workplace, it's even when it doesn't... It doesn't even when it doesn't... When, even when it's not related to professional contexts, you know, um, discussions, mm-hmm. it's very, I find it very uncomfortable to ask for what I want or to say I'm not comfortable doing this. And, and it's yeah. almost like more of a slip and slide um, ease of confrontation act that we do mm-hmm. to let it go or like to simply acquiesce. I have to say um, this kind of also is related to... I, I can see how this also relates to ways in which I have in the past sort of mm-hmm. let jokes about race slide when I'm around white people yeah, because I'm like, yeah. well, I don't want to be difficult. I don't want to be seen as someone who can't take a joke, you know. So yeah. um, you let people sort of shave off the edges that you have, but the edges that you have are really your boundaries. And yeah. it's hard to move in a world where, like, you are someone who's quite principled and you want to sort of, you want to stay true to your principles and to say, these are my boundaries, can you respect them, you know? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, the part of her essay that she continues to talk about her experience and her contradiction about how she feels that she doesn't want to be touched but society has normalized that kind of behavior. The part that she said, she she actually spoke to her friend about that she doesn't know how to find the balance. Like from her, what she write, I, yeah. I, I think that she's feeling, sometimes I feel like this as well, like I don't know how to find the balance of having my own boundaries, but not to offend other people, you know? That's the word, offend. Yeah, exactly. Then, uh, exactly, yeah, I yeah, have yeah. to say, yeah. yeah. You, yeah, I never want to offend people. Yeah, that's right. And then her friend said, you were possessed by patriarchy. That's just such a good response. Mm. Um, her friend Ada, um, I don't know if I put it, this on Instagram yet. I'm just going to read it out because her friend summarized so perfectly. Yeah, go ahead. 
Um, she said that you had a patriarchy attack. Patriarchy colonizes our brains like virus. Like virus, patriarchy harms the system that it infect, infects and relies on replication to survive. It flourishes in those who are not aware of its presence, and sometimes even in those actively working to experience. I just thought that was just so perfectly yeah, summarized so how we feel. Like we want to have our own boundaries, but we're we're scared of offending people. But why are we scared of offending people? Because we know the repercussion if we speak up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also, we don't want to be unliked. I know. You know we we, <sighs> we want so much for people to like us, and so we go above and beyond to make sure that we don't offend yeah. people. Oh so hard it's really hard it's really tricky yeah and it's like such a indication of how far we still mm-hmm. have to go to destroy the patriarchy when you know we're talking about this in 2021 yeah. you know and i'm sure we'll still be talking about it in some facet in 2050 2100 <laughs> and so on and beyond but you know let's just hope that our daughters um i don't have a daughter but your daughter you know um continues this yeah. light of dismantling um or at least finding a way to vaccinate the world against this virus that is patriarchy that's right yes yes yeah that's a good way to say it yeah Yeah, and the vaccination i have to say helen is in people like melissa Feebos and helen to <laughs> stenbeck and like all the feminist writers out there they are vaccinations against mm. the virus that is patriarchy mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, another feminist writer, I finished within two days my favourite author in the world currently. I have like (laughs) 20,000 favourite authors. But at the moment, um, it's Katie Kitamura, who I read a few years ago, um, her book called A Separation, which was just like astonishing. Um, And her latest book is called Intimacies and is about a translator who works in The Hague, the court yeah. in The Hague, you know, the court of criminal the international, whatever. yeah. International uh-huh. crimes trial, yeah. And um, it basically that's the extent of the story. You know, she go, travels from New York to The Hague and she takes up this one-year contract and then there she, like, talks about... In the, in the book, she's talking about how, like, she doesn't really... She talks about, like, what it means to be an mm-hmm. interpreter and the sort of bridge in which you need to gap. Yes. It's, like, she said there's this perfect line in the book something like I'm going to paraphrase it's something like um her job as an interpreter is to make sure the bridge between two um, languages is very very short like the shortest distance between the two languages so that meaning is not lost Mm -hmm. between you know Japanese and French and you know Arabic or whatever um and um when she's there she meets these odd characters she has an affair with a married man and that goes kind of aloof for part of the novel Mm -hmm. It is just like the most astonishing, like I, when I read her, I just am so, my whole body and my whole mind is so excited because it's like I'm um, sitting down for an extremely expensive meal. Whoa. Like that's what it feels like. Uh-huh. It's she's just such a genius of good sentence mm-hmm. writing. And I, the only thing I care about in this world is good sentence writing. <laughs> And Katie Kitamura is a fantastic sentence writer. So I'm going to, and because Helen, you're a translator as well, I'm going to like send it 
send the book to you okay. because I'm not going to see you oh, for yeah. another few months. <laughs> yeah, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah, but you will see like scribbles around. That's all right. Because I always yeah, make yeah, notes yeah, I understand. Yeah, what I read. we always make notes yeah. like, oh, this sentence yeah, is so course. good, or it relates to us yeah. so much. Yeah, yeah, I always write on the margins because it's you're basically con- conversing with the writer, definitely having a conversation yes, with them. Yes, yes. Um, I'm going to recommend a comedy channel on the lighter side um, mm-hmm. that I've kind of stumbled. To on YouTube, no, I didn't stumble through on YouTube, but I looked up um, Asian comedians, and then SBS mm-hmm. gave me a recommendation of a list. I think they had an article last year, and I came across with this uh, production comedy co- production called Flat Three. There's a three Kiwi Asian females comedy sketch about their lives living in a flat. Um, so the three <sighs> Asian ladies they are Ellie Shu, Perlina Lau, and G Fon. They actually have a show that is on SBS demand now. It's called Creamery. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about like okay. a, a a plague savage through Earth and uh, killed ninety nine percent of men, and there was only one percent left. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I love this premise already. And wait, is it white men who are left? I don't know. I haven't started watching there, but I think okay. it's it's a big con- bit of connection with a hands hem hands tale. So um, yeah, yeah. I think in they're talking about men as in fi- uh, male, male was yeah. yeah. So a lot of females were left uh, on earth, and I think they need to try to reproduce male or something like that. It, it's a very uh-huh. kind of like a dark comedy, and I think New okay. Zealand does it really well in this kind of dark comedy because we have uh, what's yeah. that guy's name from uh, the production of Thor, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, that guy. That guy who's dating like Tika Watiti, is that, is that his someone. name? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I, I think yeah. they would really do. And I watched through a couple of their YouTube videos on their yeah. YouTube, the their on their channel. So this is a pretty old. I think it's like three years ago. So they started about uh-huh. um, a while ago, and there was a uh-huh. shot sketch. I found it just so funny, uh, where uh-huh. they went into a escalator from the car park where they need to go to the mm-hmm. level of the car park, mm-hmm. and then. They were stopped every, at every level and there was a same white dude that's standing outside mm. of the escalator asking, are you going down? And they said, no, we're going up. And then every level they, they encounter this creep. The same. Yeah, it's yeah, just right. so scary. It's just yeah, so scary. Yeah. And the third time that the um, escalator door opened, it's like, okay, this is weird. How can the guy just keeps yeah. on running onto the next level, yeah. like two yeah, seconds? Uh-huh. And then yeah. the guy appeared and they just screamed and they ran out and go, go into our car and let's just, you know, drive away. Yeah. The, the guy was just behind it and keep saying that, are you going up? You know, just this creepy fucking yeah. white dude. Yeah. Um, they, they sped off, but they couldn't find the exit of the um, car park. So they were going round and around. I wouldn't spoil it for everyone. It was only, it's only a four minute sketch, but it's sketch. really, really funny. Um, oh my god! It sounds terrifying. It sounds horror. It, it's a horror, but it's a uh, like a horror comedy. I don't know how to describe yeah, it. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, like Shaun of the Dead. That's right. It's like Shaun of the Dead, and it just makes you feel like okay, this is how the world it is. You have yeah, a exactly. white dude constantly bombarding trying you, to, yeah, bombarding <laughs> you and trying to stop you or interrupt whatever you yeah, is right. you want to do. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, so check them out. They're Can on... you put that in the show yeah, notes? Yeah, yeah, I'd of love course. To watch yeah. that. Flat three. And they have mm-hmm. they have their SBS demand uh, show that's called Creamery. Creamery. Yeah. That sounds sexual. 
Yeah, it is sexual. <laughs> so, yeah. Helen, you um, that was a good recommendation. So, this week you heard from one of our loyal listeners. Do you want to tell us about mm. the um, feedback that they generously gave us? Yeah, I received a DM uh, from Kai. Uh, he's a podcaster as well. He and his friend Joe, uh, sorry, Jay, there's a Chinese podcast, uh, The Good Gay Podcast in UK. So mm-hmm. Kai uh, sent me a DM and told me that he just recently finished an uh, episode of the one we did two weeks ago, which is the POC therapist. And he's always really interesting. He said that I'm just, uh, I'll translate what he's, he sent it to me. He said that, have you guys watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I think that the show is quite nice. And to- speaking of mental health, the protagonist, is, uh, Rebecca, who is a Jewish uh, her psychologist or therapy or therapist, I think, on the show, is a black woman as well. Interesting. The male protagonist, uh, Asian American, he has this uh, therapist as well who is a Middle Eastern male, and yeah, Josh has a friend who is a bit like his therapist, who is a priest. Of uh, course, do you oh. call a priest? I don't know. A uh, father, bro. Which who yeah. is a uh, he said he's an Asian American man, so I, I assume will be could be like a mixed race Asian ethnicity. Yeah, yeah. so right. Yeah, um, Kai said that when I was watching the show, I didn't really consider that the uh, trend of having POC therapist. Perhaps I'll look into it a bit later. If you haven't seen mm. Crazy Ex Girlfriend, I truly recommend to you to watch it. And I think that how they present LGBTQ race, sexuality, and religion is a bit different compared to other shows. Uh, you can watch it on Netflix. Mm. Um, oh, Kai cool. said, Kai yeah, said I... that. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I have seen a bits bits of the show. Just like oh, I just okay. know about the UTI song. There's one uh-huh. song where she sings about UTI. Okay, yeah, I think UTI it's, or something. Yeah, it's like combined with a bit of musical as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But go uh, on. Yeah, so Kai Taio continues to say that uh, when I was between the age of eighteen to twenty, I have thought about to look for a psychologist. But everyone have told me that um, my speciality is not um, this. This term I don't know how to translate it in, into English. There's a medical mm. term for gender di- dias- dysphoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Gender yeah. dysphoria. Mm. Yeah, gender dysphoria. So I can't help you. That's what he heard from a lot of therapists. Um, at that time, mm. I didn't look for any. Um, psychologists who were specialized in transgender so there were uh-huh. none in my city and I can uh-huh. understand that why people of color wanted to have the psychologists have similar backgrounds because it's mm-hmm. not really my job to teach yeah. the particular psychologist oh, what is trans absolutely yeah because Kai, Kai is a trans person I love yeah. that yeah yeah that's what he said yeah I really love Kai yeah, he makes really good yeah, points. Yeah, and it's yeah. exhausting. Just like I know that... Yeah, I know that for a lot of um, POC creatives out there, I have heard the remiss that um, often when they go to their therapists who have often been white, they end up like doing the labour and the burden and then the emotional work of educating their white therapists about racism and uh-huh. you know the background of um, what it means to live in a body that isn't white. And, like, you don't mm-hmm. go to therapy to teach... You don't pay, like, $200 an hour to teach 
a professional white person um, mm-hmm. what the visceral and psychological and emotional effects of racism is. Absolutely. You know, that's just fucking yeah. bullshit, right? So yeah. thank you, Kai, for your message. That's really yeah. cool. And we're going to definitely check out Crazy Rich. What is it? Crazy, Crazy ex-girlfriend, ex- yeah. <laughs> Crazy Rich ex-girlfriend. <laughs> okay, so let's take a break. And we'll be coming back to talk about our topic of this day, uh, the very quite confronting world of live streamers in China. We'll be right back. So we're back and... What we want to talk about is this amazing um, – well, the inspiration for today's topic was um, I saw on the New York Times Opdoc, mm-hmm. which is like a opinions documentary, yes. sort of short documentaries on YouTube that they release. They're around like 10 to 15 minutes each. Mm-hmm. They're extremely well done. Yeah. Um, and this one was on live streamers in China. Now, basically what it is is these women who are ostensibly like influencers – you know, they sing, they put on makeup, mm-hmm. they do cutie dances. Um, they are almost always, like, have a camera in front of them and they're doing stuff, like, interacting with their um, fans, followers. Yeah. yeah, their fans, and they are kind of asking for donations. And these women are basically, like, they're churned. What, what happens in China is, and elsewhere in Asia as well, I'm sure, and, you know, in L.A. as well, you know, mm-hmm. you've got your TikTok people. Um, they There's, like, this sort of factory all the agencies that have started up in training these young women mm-hmm. in how to become a live streamer. Yep. And um, what I found with this was like a very stark and confronting existence where these women are, you know, they go through months and months of training, like how to put on makeup, how to deal with cameras, how to sing, how to dance. They go through like kind of K-pop regime. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, in, yeah, yeah, performing, and like for me, it was so confronting because it's like um, these women are learning how to constantly being be you know on basically. Mm-hmm. They they have for many hours of the day um, the camera on them, so they're always constantly performing. You know, there's mm-hmm. this just constant state of performance and constant state of being looked at, which right. really frightened me as someone who's like always quite aware of the camera and mm-hmm. like I I don't personally like um being recorded or like if i have to do an interview um i would prefer it without the video but um, you know nevertheless that's me mm-hmm. um what was your initial reaction helen when you f- saw these documentaries about would this but one particular new york times op doc about um live streamers in china um i've always known about live streamers uh, in Asia. I don't follow them. I know that it's a trend. It's like TikTok, um, mm. Instagram. Is To me, it's always been just like another social media platform to get yourself to be famous, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah, To exactly. attract people. And then I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that there's actually an agency. It's becoming like a very business-focused industry that... You yeah. have an agency that trends this a uh, group of young women, very young. Some of them are still yeah. in high school. Yeah, and yeah. Deals with their daily lives as well. And if you're speaking in terms of pandemic, I assume most of them will be locked into their bedrooms to yeah. be live streaming um, most of the day. 
Um, mm. And also, what I found really interesting is that they actually, in this um, opinion documentary, is that they actually have a seminar. Did you see the seminar that they have a staff from the agency yes. conducting a workshop uh, mm. teaching the mm. live streamer woman, girls or ladies, how, however you want to call them, uh, the char- to look out for characteristics of rich donors? Is in yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's a term in Chinese called tu hao. What does that mean? To how to mm. re- attract the rich people, I think tu means land and hao is means generous, like you have generous yeah, yeah, yeah. land. So that's a that's yeah, a wealth basically. I guess that symbolizes yeah. how wealth. Yeah. Um, so the workshop teaches them how to look for signs of a particular donor and how to encourage them to donate more because that's the source of their income. Um, the staff was telling them was was telling them that oh you have to look for the the guy usually male definitely okay because that's how yeah, they yeah. attract that's cis the, male yeah yeah exactly yeah that's the thing that we haven't really mentioned um, Helen and I so far is that uh, the most like these live streamers they're ostensibly doing their thing mm-hmm. in the bedrooms for men and and like the the most like sort of the vast majority of those fans, so-called fans, are like lonely men, mm-hmm. like men who yep. want some sort of connection yep. and they can't find it in real life, which I find like deeply, deeply um, sad. Mm-hmm. I feel like, like not patronising sad, just like sad that there are a lot of men out there who for whatever reason um, are undesirable in the real world and so have to find a source of connection online with basically strangers. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So the, the workshop teaches them how to look for signs from, of, of a lonely man who is looking yeah. for like spiritual connection. Yeah, yeah. As in there's particular performance that will probably hit the heart of that man mm. and... Um, usually there will be the man who just observe rather than chat to the woman and they will donate a large sum of money when you know he feels that there's a certain performance that really attract him mm. not necessarily will be sexual it will be probably because there are live streamers that is just simply singing songs or yeah. Yeah. reading poetry or yeah. establish or trying to create an image this is quite yeah. dystopian to me um, there was a part that they were trying to in this documentary that we're watching, they follow an actual live streamer. Her name's Ji He. Jin He. Yeah. yeah. Where she has a, a, an assistant that follows mm. her all the time. Yeah. And giving her advice. Yeah. And telling her that, oh, you should aim for this image or you should aim for creating your bedroom into a With bit fake more... books. <laughs> With fake books. Yeah. I know. So, like, apparently, um, they wanted to sort of inca- um, they wanted to pull in more cultural, so-called. Uh-huh, yeah. I'm I'm putting you know air quotes around my face, so-called cultural um fans who will bring in more like money because mm-hmm. culture equals wealth for somehow. Um, and so they couldn't even get in real books. So in the background of her bedroom, they put in like fake books, like books that are basically just boxes, like cardboard boxes that yeah. pretend to be books. Mm-hmm. And I also found it really interesting when, when they talked about, I think it was this individual, Helen, that you're talking about, um, when she first came to the agency, she was like quite slutty looking, like their words, like they, she revealed a lot of skin. Mm-hmm. And then what the agency, one of the agency uh, um, directors said to the documentary interviewer was that um, what tends to happen is like um, if the woman shows too much skin, she then tends to attract... Um, a sort of cheaper air quotes cheaper oh, yes. kind yeah, of, that, of that's cohort of their fans. words yeah, yeah yeah and and they don't bring in the big money mm-hmm. like apparently um the the men who like 
bringing the big bucks are the men who like a more mystery, you know, and don't mm-hmm. like like trashy flesh. Oh Their words God. again. Yeah, that I, was I super interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really interesting how the society judges individual image of a of, oh, of a of woman, a female. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like she needs to sort of create some sort of um, idea of sexuality or a sexual being, but um, also harbor this kind of childlike girlish innocence at the same yes. time. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It is so unbelievable to me. I mean, it's not unbelievable. It's not surprising to me how the society has always been looking at women like that. They want everything um, contained yeah. within one individual Within one female. body, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like the virginal girl and the sexy Madonna or the mother, maternal mother, whatever. Like, yeah, like all of these tropes of a woman must be contained within like one individual. And like mm-hmm. Helen said, the, the, you know, a lot of these streamers have an assistant follow them all the time and like we have seen this this one girl who helen mentioned before she's like singing in the middle of like a university cafe like she's just singing everywhere yes. and just like having the camera mm-hmm. in front of her face um it's just it, for me when i saw it it was like the most horrifying existence that you have it to expose like, yourself yeah, all yeah. the time like i wonder if she's like even streaming while she's taking a shit you know <laughs> i don't think so Speaking of uh, what we just talked about previously about how the society expects all the qualities to have to combine within one woman, I just remind me of one of the, would you call it idiom or like a phrase in Chinese? Yeah. Um, I think it's, let me just go back into my mind. Mm. I'm just trying to find the, that sentence in Chinese. Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, okay. I think it's like, 上得了,厅房,下得了,厨房,进得了。or something like that. Yeah, if anyone knows Chinese, come and correct me. Because essentially that sentence or that phrase says that a woman needs to be well-behaved within mm-hmm. the lounge room, which, which means that she needs to be proper to receive guests coming to her house. Yeah, and then yeah. she needs to be a good cook in the kitchen. And then yeah. she needs to be... I don't want to use the word slutty, but I can't find any other term. Oh, she needs, she to, needs be to be a tiger in, in the bed. bedroom. Yeah. yeah, she needs to be a tiger in the bedroom. So essentially, that phrase that I know when I was so young that was expected for a woman to be, as in you need to be yeah. well-adjusted in the eyes of public and you need to be perfectly uh, managed within your own family, you know, like cooking and all yeah. that shit, and then you need to... Yeah, yeah, um, you need to basically... To be fuckable in the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. you basically don't have your own identity. You just flex mm-hmm. flex yourself Ugh. in every single context. Uh-huh. That's just really unrealistic and super like exhausting and really right. like again, um it's the virus of patriarchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. um but, but Helen, you saw other documentaries like short documentaries that were exploring similar um individuals, right? Like there was one by Vice yeah. and also BBC. Yeah, there were a Vice Asia uh, YouTube video and there was also a BBC clip. Um, I've actually looked through the Vice one because that one uh-huh. uh, was presented with Chinese Mandarin. So they had a Chinese oh, yes. journalist yep. or reporter that went through, went into China. And this is a, a, an older video, I think it was 2018, where she follows mm-hmm. a couple mm-hmm. of the live streamers and... It started with her interviewing an IT administrator for a live streamer's platform, a dude who manages mm-hmm. three girls living together, live streaming from their bedroom, mm. and he takes care of their daily life, mm. assisted with the 
IT technical services, you know, sometimes they can't yeah. work out something to do with yeah. the connecting or the computer issues. Uh-huh. Even from this guy, his description of these girls is that they are showing off their talents online through live streaming. But in uh-huh. real life, they're actually quite naive. Yeah. So I wonder, it's it's a very exploitive industry because they use their, the agency uses their youth and yeah. um, I guess it comes down to individual choices, of course, you know, because mm. they're there to make money. When you say making money, well, I mean, when we say making money, sometimes we relate to empowerment of women. Mm. But at the same time, you really have to think, oh, are they really making money? Because we're seeing agencies coming up, which is controlled mostly by men, manipulating this group of young women mm. to work for him. Exactly. And they do take yeah. a large chunk Profit. out of their work. Exactly. And the video kind of extended to the discussion of the desire of becoming beautiful, you know, the mm. industry in plastic surgery, kind of like superficial, you need oh, to... Oh, yeah. Yes, this is something that we haven't yet mentioned. Like a lot of these girls get done, work done on their faces and their bodies. Mm-hmm. It's like a prerequisite. Like there's also in South Korea, there's something ridiculous, like a quarter of women have had work done on their faces. It's mm. just like so normal there to, mm-hmm. to have plastic surgery. Mm-hmm. And it kind of kind of confirms the idea that, no, I was just going to say, confirms the sort of um, idea that um, in this world today, it still remains that the the only industry where women do um, outperform men in terms of finance um, and wealth mm-hmm. um, are, are modelling, pornography and influencing. And mm-hmm. sort of live streaming is a sort of vague conglomerate of all three, you know, like they yeah, they need to be beautiful, right. they need to be sexual, they need to perform in some way and they need to like, yeah, it's all sort of performative and it all sort of rests on their ability to aesthetically present themselves in a very, very conventionally beautiful and attractive way. That's mm-hmm. basically only demeaning, um, like demanding uh, sorry, they're meeting the needs of the male gaze, right? Yes, yes. Like I said, it's of course it's down to individual choices of doing uh, work like this. Mm. Um, we said that it could be they consider that it's empowering, well, that's fine. Um, but on the other hand, you, you got to consider... Um, I'm going to put a bit of race elements in here because yeah, with plastic ahead. surgery, you will find the Asian market they have a tendency of leaning towards the standard of the Western um, beauty. beauty. Yeah, absolutely. Like double lead eyes, the type of... Small nose, big lips. You'll just see that the the ones that Asian woman that is desiring themselves to fall into will be very Westernized standard yeah. of weight, uh, will be like Western standard of beauty rather than than our own traditional kind of Asian beauties. Yeah. Well, a lot of these more successful um, live streamers are women who actually, in my opinion, almost look like they're half white because their nose is mm. so like, you know. Oh, um, they're the higher nose. Yeah, the yeah. higher nose and the bridge and like um, they, they, they don't f- look like fully Asian people. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me of a great um, essay by Gia Tolentino a few years ago about the Instagram face, which is like um, nationless or ethnicity. Like it's it's like the lips are from um, Middle East, the eyes are from like the West, the nose is from the West, the cheekbones are from like um, uh, South America. It's like the, the sort of perfect body or the perfect face now is like, you know, uh, 
uh, Emily Ratajkowski or like um, mm-hmm. Kim Kardashian. You know, they're kind of raceless because they all have a portion of different elements of different races within that one mm-hmm. face, you know. Yeah. And thinking about um, why do the fans connect with this internet celebrities or influencers yeah. or live streamers, um, they're in the video from Vice Asia reporter interviewed a fan and she said that she feels uh, because that the influencer feels similar to her like they can relate to each other it's just that the making the connection is very I guess when you show your vulnerability online sometimes you know influencers or live streamers they show their vulnerability uh, through their platform that they can kind of make a connection yeah but I don't know. I don't follow live streamers. So I guess some people need that kind of connection because they don't have it in their real life. Yeah. Yeah, what yeah, do you think? Or, well, yeah, obviously there are a number of reasons. I mean, I personally used to think that people who made stronger connections online were people who weren't able to make like um, connections in real life and so therefore they were somehow defective. But I now have completely... Um, revoked that opinion because I've met a lot of people who are you know queer and disabled or you know not in a body that is deemed kind of like conventionally normal and so the only avenue of um, community that they can find is actually online and Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that online relationships are in any way less than or diminished than real relationships so um, that's the first point I'll make Um, however like I think Mm -hmm. in China because there are so many people like and there is like a population of men Mm -hmm. out there who because of you know China's history um, Mm -hmm. which we all know you know with one child policy etc etc yes that a lot of men um, and also like socially it's very different the ways in which like the infrastructure of sociality functions in like Chinese society that for many reasons um going online and using technology as a um antidote to loneliness is like way more comforting and um, way more easy I guess there's an ease to that that is not afforded to men who for whatever reason you know they're not tall they're not attractive they don't earn like six figures um so they reach for the comfort of online connection Mm -hmm. which I don't at all diminish or disregard at all um but but I guess what Helen and I are talking about here is like it, it ends up being often the exploitation of women. Um, I'm thinking actually the equivalent of men are like Twitch streamers, right? And the whole Mm. Twitch society, like gaming online society, that community is like astonishingly um, wealthy. Like I think um, the top Twitch streamers, uh, so if you don't know, um, they're like basically guys who like game they play e-games and like you know online games yeah esports 24-7 esports um they make like not i was gonna say a trillion dollars but they don't they don't make a trillion dollars but like the industry is probably a trillion dollars but these guys and they're often like white dudes like mid-20s mid-30s um from like missouri or somewhere conservative um they make like millions and millions of dollars each year mm. just by like live streaming and going on Twitch and it's it's interesting like that these men who are for whatever reason find the comfort of gaming online way more like a place where they can be celebrated it's like uh, guys who are sort of like not alpha not beta something else they 
play games and they get money out of it. Mm-hmm. But like for women, they're singing, they're dancing, they're basically like performing like, you know, like a um, a geisha or like mm-hmm. um, a an escort. You know, like their their sort of uh, their abilities or the way in which they make money doesn't rest on their ability to game well or to do something well yeah. except uh, or but they just have to look good you know mm-hmm. they just have to look pretty yeah unfortunately and, i think yeah. the gaming industry is still very segmented oh totally um, totally it's, it's still so very divided bad. between the gender and yeah. a lot of female gamers tend to they attract a lot of cyberbullies and trolls oh, totally yeah 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 so you got to think of what kind of people that's what what kind of man or what kind of boys that's into that kind of um industry i don't i I honestly haven't like you made you kind of brought up this you brought up the esport and it made me thinking you made me thinking about how i don't really see a representative of male esports gamers that's come out and spoke about issues of cyber bullies no of course because it doesn't it doesn't, doesn't affect advantage them, them yeah. yeah to do so because like yeah. their fans are all misogynistic incels yeah so like why would they call them out if they call them out then there there goes their job there goes mm. their livelihood basically mm. Mm. i'm just thinking like of like youtube live streamers like david dobrik dobrik david dobrik um, mm-hmm. who I, like, listened to this interview about on Autumn. Um, there was an article written about him, and he just sounds like the the like the like worst C-U-N-T who's ever lived. <laughs> and apparently, like, he, he just, like, does these stupid stunts. He's a white dude from America, and, like, he also, like, live-streamed a breakup. Like, who knows if what? it was real. But, like, apparently he and his girlfriend were breaking up, and they he even live-streamed that. Like, he... I'm just thinking, like, it'll be amazing to base a character. Like, in the future, I would love to write a novel where, like, one of the main characters is based on David Dobrik. Because, uh-huh. uh-huh. like, he just sounds like such a C-U-N-T. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just yeah. detached I mean, himself. Isn't, isn't it interesting that in the world of Twitch and live streaming, there is this pervasive sort of stream of misogyny, right? Mm-hmm. you know but when yep. it comes to like live streamers like women live streamers like in it's China it's so different yeah. yeah like we don't our like their job is not predicated on this ideology of hating men mm-hmm. yeah no I'm just going to say like also add I'm not saying that all gamers and or e-stream or e-gamers or like twitch account people are misogynists I'm just saying like there tends to be this and it's undeniable that there is this um culture of misogyny within the gaming world um and it yes. doesn't like it, the reverse does not exist when it comes to female influencers like we don't go oh, we don't actually think men yeah. are fuck like we don't hate men you know yeah that's interesting because the female live streamers are there to take up all the fucking shit mental burdens the emotions to comfort the male oh fans. absolutely absolutely so it's yeah. another uh, mental load, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Helen, yeah. did you see any Korea, um, live streaming live streamers from Korea? No, I haven't. I mean, okay. the ones that I know that was very popular a couple of years ago was a mukbang. Mukbang? Okay, what's Muk- that? Mukbang, the eating broadcast. What is that? Where they broadcast, uh, sometimes they broadcast when they're cooking, uh-huh. uh, but most of the time they broadcast live streamer that eats uh, a lot of stuff. Um, I think it was 
It was made. Some people were saying that it was really popular amongst uh single people、right. because a lot of people that uh eat by themselves they feel lonely. Yeah, exactly. And if you watching someone eat with you, yeah, it's comforting. You feel yeah, it's comforting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I I like am bowing my heads down like there. I think I would like. I totally understand that there is nothing lonelier than eating by yourself, and also like watching someone eat by themselves. I find like really painful to watch. Oh yeah, I hate yeah. it. it. Makes me so sad.、Um, but this reminds me, <laughs> Helen, of this.、Um, recently, I discovered there's this YouTube channel, and it's basically called Japanese、mm-hmm. Mom in Paris. And、oh, she、yeah. has a lot of followers,、uh-huh. and like she just like sort of posts <laughs> videos of herself like cooking in her Parisian apartment for her kids, who's like Ooh, Japanese.、Okay. And like this woman is like,、uh-huh. like supremely delicate and very in every single f- way, shape, and form, very like typically Japanese.、Uh-huh. Um, and like I find like I've watched maybe two of her videos that were like really、mm-hmm. quite nice, just like watching her like chop. Cube the co-、uh, cube the carrots and the zucchinis like strangely comforting,、um, yeah. but it makes it's like such a romantic thing to watch like a, you know someone like a foreigner like an Asian in Paris doing such、mm-hmm. a domestic thing. It it feels really kind of like prairie white picket fence kind of old school fairy tale, you know, of、yeah. someone living in Paris and. You know,、yeah. exhibiting that dream that we all have. I mean, yeah, I, I don't see myself ever living in Paris, but it's still like quite comforting to watch. Do you have anything、mm-hmm. like that? Like, do you have a video that you watch that's like quite comforting for you? Yeah, I think it's therapeutic when you watch someone that does something that's、um, nicely done, and especially I like to watch、uh, baking videos. Yes,、sometimes. me too. Me too. Yeah, like they prepare everything and they measure. The, you know each ingredients,、mm. and sometimes they like some、uh, YouTubers. They do it really well when creating the videos. They have a really nice flowing sense of、yes. uh, music yes. in the background, and also they kind of amplify、uh, the sound of what they do as well. Like you said, the chopping it just makes you feel like you're at home with someone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have I have a lot of people. I have other three human beings in my household. But yeah. I guess it's nice for single people. I guess you have. The background sound of people cooking, like、uh, you, you'll feel less lonely. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty much. I, I think COVID, what happened with COVID and pandemic, will pretty much amplify. Yes, this kind of it, um, YouTube videos. That, yeah, for people who lives alone. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. Anything else that you want to add? I was just gonna add. That, yeah, sometimes I feel like I need a video going on. Around me, even when I'm like cooking,、uh-huh. to feel like、yeah. some sort of comfort or solace. Like、uh-huh. I'm very uncomfortable with silence. Like I like、mm. silence, but um, often I'd I'd just like have a podcast on the background, or、yeah. most most often actually an autumn article playing so that I'm learning something. Yes.、Um, never music. I I don't listen to music. Um, I just I have this weird relationship with music. <laughs> <laughs> unless it's jazz, yeah, we are unless、nice. it's jazz, <laughs> yeah. yeah.、Um, but yeah,、uh, like I, I guess the whole live streaming industry is built upon lonely people, right? People looking、mm-hmm. for connection. Yes. Okay, so before we go, I'm gonna make another shout out to、uh, for Bada Bada. So、um, just check in、mm-hmm. on how's everyone's lockdown life look like. Are you wearing your Bada Bada activewear to do your exercise? 
Um, Bada Bada is the softest and the most comfortable active wear that I've worn. It's versatile functionality, antimicrobial technology to ensure your odor-free and moisture-wicking technology to keep your body dry during and after your workout. And I've been saying for a while, but I don't think I've mentioned it on our podcast before, Jess. Mm. Um, there is an app that I've been using since the beginning of pandemic last year. Yeah. It's called Down Dog. Mm-hmm. It, look it up on your app shop. It's a blue tile with the image of a white dog posing the upward dog po- mm-hmm. uh, position. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really cute. It's an app uh, combined with HIIT, yoga, meditation, and bar exercise. Mm. You can customize the level and duration and even the choices of the instructor's voice. Oh, nice. And the type yeah, and the type of music that you prefer during your workout. I highly recommend this app. Um we've did a I've did it with you, Jess, yeah, a couple of times. And my before. our brother. Yeah, it's really a few fun. Few weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, our brother, yeah. Can you get yeah. uh, like a James um, Bond voice? <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. You probably can. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So um highly recommend my friends to get it. And if you're still struggling to find a good workout outfit, look no further and check out Butter Butter. Remember that our listeners can use the code ABDU10 to receive a $10 discount at the checkout. And they're still doing the free shipping worldwide, I think. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, it's yeah, like the most comfortable thing I've ever worn, honestly. Mm-hmm. It makes you like get- excited about working out. I know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So get onto it now. Okay, so that's the end of our episode. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple. If you have enjoyed our show, please give us a five-star rating. We welcome listeners to send us your feedbacks or topics you would like us to explore. We would also love to uh, know what you're listening, watching, or reading during this crazy pandemic period. Check out updates on socials and make sure you share with your friends to help us to extend the visibility of Asian Bitches Down Under and continue the intersectionality of podcast industry. So we'll chat to you next week. Stay safe, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.